Father in heaven, I thank you for the opportunity to be, uh, meet together here. Uh, I pray, Lord, that as we spend a few moments looking at and talking about uh, education, especially in these end times, Father, we pray for your spirit to be here and, and to teach us. We, we know, Lord, that you are our teacher, and we pray that uh, your wisdom would be the one to guide us, uh, to give us the wisdom we need, uh, and Lord, that we ask that you live out through us. Lord, please uh, hide me in this presentation and may you speak. May you gain honor and glory because of us being here today. And Lord, I pray that, that the truth of where you want to see education in this world today will be uh, delivered with a clarity that only you can deliver it, Lord. To each heart, May we open our hearts to your Holy Spirit today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, glad you're here and uh, glad we got the technology working. And uh, I want to tell you just a little bit about uh, my background and maybe that will help you understand why I'm in education. Now, uh, what I've learned through the years is that education is not one of the big hot topics you know uh, when you when you go to a church you know and someone some big-name speaker is coming to speak and everybody comes to hear it uh, they're likely not going to be speaking on education you know I had a an experience with uh, Dr. Nedley and I went to 3ABN we had uh, one of those uh, Thursday evening uh, live programs and so it was going to be half on education, half on health. And, uh, and we sat there and had, a, and had a good time. We had some conversation about health questions and then uh, some conversation about education. And then they open up the phone lines for everyone to call in. And so all of the phone calls centered around one of the two topics, health or education. Which one? Did you guys listen to that one? You, you were there? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, my toe hurts, and you know, uh, if and this is here's what's interesting to me. Here's what's interesting. Um, education deals with the long term. When you're dealing with health, I have an issue. I need help now. Please help me. When we deal with education, we're dealing with a long term solution to a problem that can't be fixed with short-term issues. Does that make sense? Uh, and so uh, I, I have, so, uh, my assumption is there could be someone here saying, you know, why education? Why, how did you get into education? Well, what I'll do is I'll start back uh, just a, a little ways when I was a child. And uh, I was raised in what I would, I would uh, call a, uh, an ex-Adventist home. My parents uh, were raised with uh, Adventist mothers and non-Adventist fathers, both of my parents, and uh, went through Adventist schools uh, up and through high school. And um, uh, so I was raised in this Adventist home. Now, they didn't always have the best experience in Adventist education. And... Uh, uh, so they, for some reason, put me into uh, a public grade school. Uh, 
So I went to public grade school. And so my parents weren't active in the church. Uh, um, anyway, this is this kind of the, this is how I was raised and just to help you get an understanding of, you know, my brain. By the way, my folks, my folks are now active Adventists and I praise the Lord because of that. Um, by the way, they met through a, a school called Broadview Academy. And so when, when I got and graduated eighth grade, my parents said, you're going to Broadview Academy. And why, why do you think they sent me? To find a wife. They met an academy. They met an academy, so they're going to send me to academy. So I went, and I knew what my job was. Anyway, um, I, I met my wife at uh, Adventist summer camp. Oh, yeah. This is uh, summer camp romance now going on 30 years. Amen. In this, in this day and age, amen. All right, so we uh, um, uh, so went to Broadview Academy. When I got to Broadview Academy, they took away my mood ring. I had this little ring that, and I'm like, what is that? You know, take it away. My mood ring. It's supposed to tell me what kind of mood I'm in or something. <laughs> Changes with the heat or something. And uh, uh, I, I was very, very fascinated uh, by this God that they were picturing. And I had went to Sabbath school a few times with my grandparents and, and a few times with the church, and my parents would occasionally go. Um, but honestly, when I went to Broadview Academy, I stepped in the door, and, and I had no desire for God in my life. And at Broadview Academy, I came to recognize a Jesus that I had never known. And I said, I want to be baptized. And I turned vegetarian. And uh, praise the Lord, been vegetarian ever since, other than that piece of meat that my mom gave me before I told her. It's like, oh, I just, you know, I, I, thought, I thought my parents weren't going to be happy about my decisions, which is, you know, as I look back now, it doesn't make any sense. They send me to Broadview Academy, and I want to be baptized, and they should be upset about that. But I thought they were. I just, in my little world, I was like, oh, no, my parents are not going to be happy with this. I'm going to turn vegetarian. It's going to change the way they, you know, they eat stuff. So what I recognize is that Adventist education profoundly changed my life. It, it seriously made a change where I was going. And I praise God for Adventist education. Now, I say that because I, I'm going to share some things over these next seminars uh, that, may, that could make someone think that I don't like Adventist education. Okay, Because what I'm going to do is I want to hold up I want to hold up a standard that God has that we have not achieved yet. Does that make sense? Because I don't, I, don't I don't want to be confused that I am not a supporter of Adventist education. I love Adventist education. In fact, that's why I'm here, because I love Adventist education so much. Because I want Adventist education to get better Amen. and better and better. And... Uh, and, and so that happened to me. Now, I didn't immediately think, you know, I need to go around speaking about Adventist education, right? Now that I'm a baptized freshman, 14 years old, I wasn't running around lecturing about Adventist education. 
Some time went by. I ended up uh, finishing college at Andrews University. I got married and started to have children and, and uh, bought some houses and sold some houses and life went on. What was fascinating to me was when I had, I had just finished my master's degree in art and I got a job offering at uh, Andrews University to go back and teach. Now this was my, this was my dream job. When, when I was in college, my dream job was to go back to Andrews University and teach photography. Oh, that would be great. This would be the ultimate job. Go talking about photography, something you love to do. You know, sort of on the creative, I have a creative bent uh, to me, uh, even though I wear a suit and don't look like it. But anyway, um, I have this, I, I love to, to do creative things. And... Uh, so I get this job and I thought, you know, I probably should start reading the book Education. I, you know, Ellen White wrote a book specifically about education and uh, I've read it before, a long time ago when I was in college and I remember, I, I should read that again. So I got the book out, started reading and I thought, wow, she talks a lot about the whole redemption process and not just, you know, teaching. And I thought that was really interesting. And then she would go through, and if you've gone through that book thinking, how can I be a better teacher, there's things there immediately you can implement. Just like, boom, right there, get it done, and, and it'll change your teaching. Then there's other things that you read in there, you go, hmm, how could we do that in schools? That doesn't make sense. It just, it, it, you know, there's some really big idea things, and then there's some really things that you could just take right off and do. So uh, uh, I'll, I'll shorten the story uh, and get into less detail. Uh, I ended up recognizing that the Lord wanted me to continue my education. And uh, I was led to a place called Indiana University to do my doctoral degree in instructional systems technology. Now, in short, that means how do people learn and how do we design education based on the way people learn? So you have to understand how people learn, or learning theory, what we, we studied. And then we said, okay, if that's how people learn, then how should we design instruction based on the way people learn? And, and what was amazing to me is this program that I was in was relatively critical about schools. And they were very clear, schools are not designed for learning. They're not designed to, let me, let me restate that, they're not designed to maximize learning. They're, 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 they want learning to happen, but it's not really core design to, to maximize learning. And, uh, and I thought, well, that's really interesting. That's fascinating. And, uh, but as I went down there, how many think that you could go to a secular college and really get messed up in your mind? Anybody think that that's true? Yes, exactly. Uh, and so I was worried about that. I said to myself, um, yeah, let's scoot that over. So I said to myself, I, I have to be very careful here. Going to a secular college, I could really get messed up. So I made, a, I made a vow that what I would do is I would read the book Education over and over again, and that would be my core. That would not let me be moved. Indiana University, doctoral studies, read this, study this, read this, study this. I didn't want to be thrown off. 
So I kept reading it. And what the Lord did, what was absolutely fascinating, is I would read a research study, and then I would read a, a, a section of Ellen White, and they'd be saying the same thing. And I thought, wow. And then it happened over and over, and I'd, and I'd, and I'd get these readings, and I'd, and I'd recognize that God was speaking through her, and, and he, knew, he, he knows truth, doesn't he? He doesn't need to do research, right? He knows it. But human beings without the Bible have to do research to find truth, okay? They have to, they have to use research to find truth. That's how, that's how we do it without the Bible, you know? And so that's, that's what was happening. So I would, I would find these glimpses of truth, but they would be marred. They would be in with partial untruths because they, you know, their frame of thinking wasn't right. And so there would be glimpses of truth, but I could see the glimpses of truth. And I, could, and I was just watching you know, research study after research study, and I'm reading it, and I'm just being overwhelmed. And I just, I remember going, wow. This is amazing. Ellen White is clearly a prophet. I mean, if this doesn't, to me, just, I mean, I, 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 I believed it, but now I believe it. Yeah. You understand what I'm saying? And it was reading the book Education and going through my doctoral studies. So praise the Lord. That was a great blessing. Uh, so I came out of this doctoral studies with the recognition that, that the world is saying we have to change our schools. Our schools are not designed for learning. They're not designed to maximize learning. We've got to change our schools. And I, and I remember reading in Ellen White thinking, she's saying we've got to change our education. We've got to change the way we do it. And I thought, well, this is really fascinating. So I went back to Andrews University. I taught there for a few more years. I had this great plan, this great design where I was going to, uh, I started teaching in the uh, School of Education and doing distance education. And so my idea was uh, start teaching uh, graduate students, which are typically teachers and principals, and, uh, and teach them these great ideas about what God has designed education to truly be and then they'll go out and they'll change their schools. And then, the, you know, then my ideas will be multiplied and the Lord's work and, and the schools will change. And so after four or five years of this, and I just, I t taught, but, and, and great teachers, but my, my gut feeling after all, watching all of that was we had teachers that wanted to change their schools, but they couldn't. They felt that they couldn't. Because parents were, this is the kind of education I want. And, uh, and, and they just, they struggled. And so I didn't see a lot of change happen. Well, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not the most patient guy in the world, and the Lord is patient with me. Amen. And, uh, and I said, uh, I, I felt this this need to go run a school. So the Lord brought me an opening and I went back to Broadview Academy to be principal. And uh, so I spent a couple of years at the, um, I knew going in they, they had some financial problems. In fact, that was a, one of the great things about Broadview and why I went there was because they said to me, 
do whatever you want to do. We've tried everything. We're about to close the school. We can run the school for maybe a couple more years, and then we're going to have to shut it down. And so they, they let me come in. We ran the school for a couple of years. We made some great enrollment strides. We changed a bunch of stuff in the school, and, uh, and they shut the school down. The conference was in such bad financial shape. They liked what was going on, but they couldn't. It was too experimental. It was too far out on the edge. It wasn't like the other schools. And so they shut the school down. And uh, I had, uh, the Lord had brought me several opportunities. And we felt the Lord calling us to go to Michigan. So I was a superintendent of education at Michigan. And then uh, shortly after that, uh, Neil Nedley called. Anyone know Neil Nedley, Dr. Nedley? And uh, so he said, I'd like you to come out and uh, run the college. Uh, well, uh, eventually we went, ended up uh, go, going there. Uh, I said uh, to my wife, I said, you want to go out and look at the, the place? Because she really knew this was, she could sense, here's a chance to take a college, which is where I had my teaching experience, and to change a college. And, uh, and, and kind of restart, because uh, Weimar College at that point was, uh, when I walked on campus for the first time, they had 10 students at the college. It was, it was in restart mode, right? And, uh, uh, and I thought, um, you know, I don't, I, yeah, I just, it was, is this too overwhelming? It, yeah. Yeah, well, here's, let me, let me be really frank with you and say what was going through my mind. Now, I, I had heard some about Weimar, but I thought it was a bunch of hyper-conservative people just, you know, you know be looking, you know, they probably had cheese police on campus and stuff, and they checked the staff refrigerators. I didn't know. I just thought uh, they really, you know, not, not literally, but I, you know, I didn't know. I didn't know what it was like on campus. And so my wife goes, go check it out, see if they're, you know, they're off the edge or something. And I said, all right, I'll go. And so we went, and, and I helped them do some strategic planning and and then uh, we brought the family out there to look at the position. My wife said, this is you. This is exactly, this is exactly where you need to be. And she didn't want to go. All of our family lived in Michigan. And uh, my, my dad and, and my family all lived in Michigan. And my wife's family lived in Michigan. And, and uh, uh, it's the first time I saw my dad cry when I said, I'm going to be taking that out. First time I ever remember seeing my dad cry. And, uh, and he was, you know, you're moving away. And I, and I felt like, you know what, I felt like I'm on mission service. The Lord's called me to the mission field, California, the mission field. And so that's where we're living in the mission field. By the way, it's sunny in the mission field right now. Um, but anyway, uh, so that's just a little bit about, about my perspective. And so my, my passion on education really was increased when I started to study research and, and study it along the book education because they were saying that same message, we need to do things differently. Well, um, uh, let's, let's dive into uh, some of the slides we have. Revelation 3.17, you have your Bibles with you? Amen. You know what's in Revelation 3.17? 
This is the uh, last of the seven churches, which, what's the name of the uh, church? Laodicea. And there's a message that comes to Laodicea. And this helps us understand the context where we are in in these last days, doesn't it? All right. So can someone read uh, just uh, verse 17 for us? Someone who can read it out real loud. So what do you think about that? So what is what is what is God's church in in the in the Laodicean state? Satisfied? Right. Satisfied. What else are they? They're comfortable. We're doing fine. I'm sorry? They're comfortable in misery. They're they're also deceived, are they not? They think they're rich. But God says, I'd like you actually to be rich. I'd like you to actually, in a few verses down, I want you to, I want you to be rich, but you're not. You think you are, but you're not. What we are as a church in end time message is we're a deceived church. We think we're okay and we're not. And I suggest to you that one of the great challenges in Adventism right now is education. And, and that there is a deep sense of education helps to define the future church. If education is off, what's, where, where will the future church be? Off, right. They will be identical. They'll be exactly the same spot. So, okay, I want to now, now take a look at the 2 Kings 17. All right, so when someone gets that for us, if they could stand up uh, nice and loudly and read that for us. 2 Kings 17, well, uh, let's, let's just read verse 17. 17, 17, yes. I know. Yeah, it's actually, there's a whole context around it, but uh, we're going to drill right into 17. And they caused their sons and daughters to pass through the fire, practice witchcraft, and took sin, and sold themselves to do evil in the sight of the Lord, provoking anger. Okay, so do you remember the context here? So first of all, what is the verse, what is the verse telling us? What's the verse, what, what is God trying to tell us by this verse? What's happening? Okay, so they were willing to do something opposite of what God had told them to do. He had given clear instruction, and what they were willing to do was actually sacrifice their children. Can you imagine that? I can't even imagine that. Not because they sold themselves, but they were actually slaves of their own 
Yes, sl slaves of their own choice. This is a fascinating story, and, and, I, and I really believe that there's a, there's a distinct lesson for the Seventh-day Adventist Church right here. I think that we need to be careful that we're not selling our children and letting them pass through the fire of the world. We need to be really careful because what happened here is they wanted to be like the, the, the countries around them, right? They wanted to be like those, the neighbors. They wanted to be like everyone else around them, like the world. And they went so far as to sacrifice their children. Now, we could look and say, we certainly wouldn't go that far, right? You know, I mean, would we really go that far? I don't think so. But you know what? You really don't know. Because what this world is doing... we would go right along with it. Little by little by little by little. Because that's how Satan brings it, isn't he? And, and, and so we, we are in a situation where we need to be very, very careful. Are we, doing, are we doing the same thing? This is what I'm asking myself. Are we doing the same thing? Are we following after the world's education? Are, are young people following after the world? You know, we look around, and, and are, are there distinct differences between what young people of the world look like and young, young people in our schools look like? Is there a distinct difference? Is there, is there modesty? I'm surprised at our campuses sometimes. You know, our college campuses, I'm surprised. Are our worship uh, style different? Is there a uniqueness, a distinctness that God said we do it this way? And so we do it that, and we, we listen to him. So uh, what I'd like to do is share with you a little bit about a distinction um, uh, between education and schooling. So in doing that, what we need to do is just spend just, just a few moments making sure we understand what education is. So here's what I'm going to propose. Um, the pro education, what is it? It's the, it's the process of learning mind, body, and spirit through throughout one's life. Does that make sense? So I spent a little time on this. I thought, well, what really am, am I talking about when I think about education? And that's what I'm talking about. And so why do we do education? Education is always done as a preparation for something. Now, if you're going to be, uh, by the way, I'll make this available. If, if you guys want uh, slides on this whole thing, we'll make sure that you can download it somewhere. And I can give you a business card and you can email me or something. Um, uh, so uh, why do we do education? We always get educated because we're trying to prepare for something. So um, when, when, when we have a physician goes to medical school, they go to medical school to be a physician, right? That's not a tough one. But it's, it, that principle is, you know, if, if you want to go to table tennis school to become a good table tennis player like uh, Shana is, right? Um, if you want to do that, then you need, that, that you're going to get prepared to do something. It's a preparation for something. That's why we do education. And how do we do that? Well, Typically, the typical answer is, how do we do education? We do it through schools. 
So does that make sense? All right. So uh, now we're going to take a look and try to do a little bit of a compare and contrast between the big concept of education and schools. By the way, I love having a lot of room up here. This is great. I love to get exercise when I'm speaking. This is good. So if you want to get exercise and walk in the back, keep yourself awake too. I mean, this is a Sabbath afternoon. So not that anybody's having trouble. I'm just, you know, you know, educations for the future. Okay. All right. So here we are, education. So what we're going to do is going to do a little comparison with schooling. And uh, is it equal or is it not? Okay. So first of all, I'm going to take a, take a, take a look here, have a conception to birth, the typical years of schooling, uh, let's say 5 to 22, roughly. Um, and, then, uh, and then we go here to death and then into eternity and say, education deals with the whole being, with the spirit, the mind, the body. It's the full education and preparation of the whole being throughout your whole life. How does that sound? Is that, isn't, isn't that the kind of education that God desires us to have? That's education. Not school, education, right? Yeah, we want the full education. All right, so now we take a look at uh, schooling, and does schooling, does, you know, and, and I have uh, a little bit of the, uh, this, this starting here at conception, you know, uh, uh, the whole process of learning starts after conception. There's learning that goes on inside a mama's womb. Um, so, uh, you know, so we think, okay, well, what, what do we really cover in schooling? Do we cover from birth to death? No, we really don't go that far. Uh, maybe, you know, what we do is we, we start at about five years old and we go to about 22, and then finally somebody says, I graduated. Finally, I'm done learning. Wouldn't that be awful? Wouldn't that be awful? All right. Um, so, no, not really, you know, we really don't do the whole mind, body, and spirit all together. Um, we focus really more on the mind, don't we? Okay, then another question would be, do we really cover all of the mental faculties? So, probably not, and so let's just be realistic that we cover, perhaps in schools, uh, maybe a little bit of the spiritual in our Adventist schools and, um, and in some of the body training and uh, some of the mental training, but uh, we're, we're not really doing all that we could do uh, across the, the, the larger perspective. So what I'd like to do, um, and this is a new slide. I've, I've done similar presentations like this before. This is a new slide, and... Uh, um, and, and it's helping me to create a distinction between education and our traditional picture of schools. Is that helpful? All right. So um, now we'll take a look at a quote from a book that I like. And it is the first page of the book Education. Now, if, if you have read the book Education before, how many have uh, read the book Education? Amen, and that's why you're here. All right, because you recognize there needs to be some more changes. Um, and so that first paragraph, I just think this is so fascinating. If you were going to write a book on education and, uh, and, and the Lord impressed you, you know, what would be the first thing that you'd want to say about education? 
You know, what's the, what's, how do you set the stage for reading the rest of this book? What's that? Define true education. education. Yeah, that's good. Some of these, uh, you know, you know, character and education is bigger than just, you know, schooling or, you know, some, something like maybe what we've done. Integration. So integration of learning rather than segregating them out. Good. Okay. Well, I am just totally fascinated by the first sentence. And here's our first sentence. Our ideas of education take too narrow and too low a range. Now, you remember the graphic? Does that look narrow and low? You understand what I'm saying? Right? I thought, as I looked at it, it's like, wait, I got to put that quote right here. It's, it's exactly talking about that. So, and then it goes on. There's need of a broader scope, a higher aim. True education means more than the pursuit of a certain course of study. Welcome to school. It means more than the preparation for the life that now is. Right? Into eternity. Okay, give me just a little bit of leeway, but I'm going to put it in my Seaboldian language. You're an idiot about education. You really don't know education. That's, that's what this whole thing says. If you can understand that you don't know education, now you're in a better perspective to start understanding it. Because if one were to think that they were that they were doing just fine. If they were rich and increased with goods and they thought they were doing just fine, but they a- actually were poor, blind, and naked, how, po- how, how bad would a shape would they be in? Do you understand what I'm saying? So we need to be really careful about thinking that we start to understand education. And uh, uh, I recognize all the time, I read something and I go, oh, I just don't understand this. I just need to know more. Lord, teach me. Okay, she finishes the paragraph with doing just what has been suggested. It has to do with the whole being and the whole period of existence possible to man. It's the harmonious development of the physical, the mental, and the spiritual powers. It prepares a student for the joy of service in this world and for the higher joy of wider service in the world to come. Amen. Now, I love this first paragraph because it can, it can set in center and really this, in fact, just read that first paragraph over and over and over and that's my presentation. That's really, that's it. We don't really understand education. This is what it really is. Amen. One paragraph wraps it together and brings together some very, very important points. Okay, so from that first paragraph, we learn that education is whole being and harmoniously whole being. Mind, body, spirit, right? So when you, when you sing in harmony, that means that the, those, those notes are happening at the same time. There's harmony. So there's whole being education going on. That's God's design. Also, we recognize that it's lifelong. It's just not brought into that nice, tight little package. 
um, the 5 to 22. And it's service-oriented. So if we take a look at this and then say, okay, based on that, what if we were to flip it upside down and say, what is education not? Well, it's not just academics and books. We think all the time schooling and education, and we use them synonymously. It's not just for 18-year-olds. It's lifelong, right? And it's, it's selfless. It's, it's serving for others, so it's not self-serving. And we have these, these three principles, the opposite of what we've just talked about and been shown is good education, are, are, are built right into uh, our education system. You see the difference here again? The education, the harmonious, the lifelong, for, for, for service, and, and then the alternative. There's this little difference. Schooling and education, they're not equal. I wonder if, uh, okay. Um, education needs to recognize if you're going to educate properly, you need to have a clear goal. Now, you remember what we talked about education? Uh, why do people do education? Because they want to prepare for what? The future. Some future event or some future training or you want to go to school to become a physician or to learn to become a technician or, right? You do education so that you can be prepared. So having a good goal, how important is that on, on having a good education? That'd be pretty important, wouldn't it? Okay, so if we take a look at our goal, and uh, so we, we have taken a look at our goal and we said, okay, this lifelong service learning, harmonious development, that's our goal, this big goal to be educated. And what we have now is a method of being educated that's divided up primarily into three different segments. And we call those three segments elementary, secondary, and college. It's schooling is our, is our method of choice. This is what we do. We choose schooling as our way of educating. And it's not fitting. We've, we've got some real challenges. This is, this is what we call our method. Uh, we, to be educated, we use schools to do it. And so understanding that goals drive what we do, that if we choose the wrong goal, we won't get where we really want to go. You have to have a good, strong goal, and you have to have a good method to get to the goal. So... Let's take a look at uh, some educational goals that will be based on. Now, I, you know, we could, we could spend a lot. We could spend three hours just on educational goals. So I'm going to simplify the discussion, um, and uh, hopefully you can follow my reasoning here, and this will make sense to you. So we're going to take a look at some educational goals, and then we're going to see how they fit in the picture of our end time scenario. Does that make sense? All right, so we have spirit, mind, and body. So spirit, I'm going to roughly call character. That's a, that's a character goal, okay? 
And mind, I'm going to call that roughly career academic. Now, I know it's, it's more than that. Um, but roughly, I'm going to use these rough terms so, so that we could um, connect them with an end-time end scenario. And then body, uh, I'm going to call manual skills and health. Okay? Now, I, I, I recognize this is... I'm, you're giving me some liberty here because it's not really well-defined and stuff, but I, I want to use this to help connect this to an end, our end-time scenario, and this will make more sense in just a moment, okay? So these are, these are three primary educational goals, okay? So now what we want to do is take a look and, and, and take this look and say, recognize that these primary educational goals fit right into here because they, 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 they're for uh, a life and they're based of service and uh, they're a process of learning. So mind, body, and spirit throughout one's life. So they fit this idea that we've been talking about of education. So uh, let's take a look at a timeline of a, a, a rough timeline over the next years. Okay, I don't want to put a number in there. And uh, what I'd like to do is I'd like to roughly divide this timeline into three categories. Uh, a, a time of preparation. Are we in the time of preparation right now? Okay, what comes next? A time of peril. I like that. It also, it's another P word. And then, uh, and then the third one, a time of paradise. All right, so, so we have this timeline roughly divided into three different segments. And uh, let me ask you a question. What event divides these two here? What, what event uh, divides the time of peril from the time of paradise? The second coming, of course. That's a very distinct uh, event, and then everything beyond that's different, isn't it? I mean, the world and heaven and the rules are all different then. And how many are looking forward to that time? Amen, right? How many are sensing it's coming sooner and sooner, right? And you see, you see the signs of the times because you're watching and, and you're staying awake and, you're, and, and you want to see. So I've also put a rough division in here. I, I didn't make the line straight because I'm not really sure. I mean, there, there are some events that will happen in here, but what, what really starts the time of peril and what really ends the time of preparation perhaps is not so clear. Are, are, you, are you following me? That's not real distinct. Okay, so now, what I, now the question I want to ask is, what personal characteristic trait, what of those three goals, educational goals, goes with you to heaven? Character. Character, if you work on character during the time of preparation, character will go with you all the way through. Does that make sense? Which educational goal has more longevity than anything else? Character, the spiritual, right. So, if that were to be the case, wouldn't character be the number one educational goal? You know, um, when, when I, I, I went on a trip and, uh, and I went to pack my clothes 
and I put them into a suitcase. And I made sure, you know, I was, you know, I do this counting of the days. Okay, I'll have this, this, this. All right, and so I start taking T-shirts. I need this number of T-shirts and socks. And I, and I pack it, you know, get it all in and, and then <clears throat> get it, you know, get the zipper tight because I want to put the carry-on and, you know, the whole thing. All right, so, um, but, you know, why I do that? Because I want to be prepared for the trip. I know what's coming ahead. And I, and I don't want to be not prepared. I don't want to go and not have more clothes. That would be really awkward, and you wouldn't be as happy right now. Okay? Uh, I wouldn't either. All right. So uh, what, what we have to recognize is that education has to, to prepare itself for the future, and, and you have to recognize what's coming in the future. Could someone in the world's educational system, could, would they use a timeline like this to show the power of character in education? Would they do that? Now, why not? They don't think about the future in this way. They don't have this knowledge. Do you know this to be true? Why do you know it? It's biblical. Spirit of prophecy tells us. I mean, it, 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 it collaborates. Cl- the, uh, the, the collaborates, thank you. The, the uh, um, you know, what we know about end time. And, and so end time events very clearly should help to form what we think about education and how we do it. Because education is a preparation for the future. Education is a preparation for the future, for eternity. And so that's why we do it. Okay, so we have to know this. So education. Okay, this is what comes. So now let's work backwards. Now we're at, imagine the time of peril, what that's like. And, um, you know, uh, we were driving along uh, several years ago. I, my youngest son uh, was about seven or eight years old, and he asked me a question. He said, uh, hey, Daddy, what happens if we go to the grocery store and they're not selling groceries anymore? Can you imagine what, what that might be like in this time of peril? When you go to the grocery store and there's no groceries, my response to him was, wow, Freddie, what do you think we ought to do? He said, I think we ought to go to Pizza Hut. <laughs> so I thought, well, there you go. So, you know, what we have, and, and if, if there's none in the grocery stores, my guess is Pizza Hut's not going to be in business, right? Uh, there, there is coming, and, and we have to recognize the clarity about what the future brings. If we don't understand the future, we can't educate properly. I mean, how do you educate if you don't understand the future? This is what the world is trying to do. They're trying to understand this future technology and what are the implications so we can change and design education so that it's built for the future. Thus, it's very important for us to understand the future and to recognize building education for the future. Right? Okay. So now in this time of, of peril and there's all kinds of chaos going on, 
Now, which of those three um, educational goals would be very important to have in a time of peril? You remember what they were? You have the uh, character, you had the manual skills, and then the academic career. Which do you think would be really valuable in this time of peril? Character, of course. And then next would be, yeah, manual skills, right? Manual, practical manual skills. Learning to work with your hands. Because when, when all the hospitals have shut down and there's no drugs and there's no operating rooms, the, 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 the physician who used to make their money with the scalpel is no longer has their tools, and it's gone. And if they don't know what to do with charcoal, right? So natural healing remedies. And, and if they can't get rid of a headache and you can't get a hold of your medicine anymore, and so you do a little hot cold on the feet, and you go, wow, that's amazing. That actually works. You know, there's some of these natural remedies, and then somebody's living in a little shack, and you say, let me help you fix that up, and you actually know how to put a roof on. You can do manual practical skills. So if, if this has longevity, and this is powerful, then that means obviously that it needs to, in our time of preparation, it's what we need to be spending our time on. It's what we need to focus on. So, of course, in our time of preparation, career preparation is an important part of being in a time of preparation, but never should it supersede or come above character or manual skills. And, and this really blew me away because I was, I was reading uh, something, and it says this, uh, fifth volume of the testimonies 466 it's a solemn thing to die but a far more solemn thing to live if you you know where i'm going with this quote at all this is an amazing one every thought and word and deed of our lives will meet us again what we make of ourselves in probationary time that we must remain to all eternity you know what this implies yes Yes, fifth volume of the testimonies. Page 466. Yes, it's huge. It's, now, what is this implying to you? That who you are in probationary times, in this time of peril that you develop, that you will be to all eternity. But she doesn't make you wonder about it. She gives a little more detail. Death brings dissolution to the body, but makes how much change in the character? Well, the ideas of having your character changed when you get to heaven, poof. Okay? The Lord doesn't change your character. In fact, she finishes this off and says, The coming of Christ does not change our characters. It only fixes them forever beyond all change. Okay? So this is the amazing, this, this blew me away. I thought, wow, this, is, this makes perfect sense. And, and now if you look back at that, that timeline and we put down manual skills above character and academics, 
are, are we put character above uh, the manual, yeah, manual skills? And the last one was career, right, academics. If, and, and look at this, uh, CG, what is CG? Child guidance, child guidance right, yes, uh, 358. If the youth can have but a one-sided education, which is of greater consequence? A knowledge of the sciences with all the disadvantages to health and life, she's setting this up, for, or a knowledge of labor for practical life, we unhesitatingly answer the latter. If one must be neglected, let it be the study of books. You must bring the physical labor right in with the mental. The two should go together. Now, does she say throw out academics? No, she doesn't say throw out academics. The two should go together. Should you be academically prepared? Yes. Can the Lord use you more powerfully if you're academically prepared? Yes. Would I have gotten my job to be chancellor of Weimar College if I didn't have a PhD? No, it wouldn't happen. I could, I could give as many seminars as I wanted, but it's not gonna happen. This is, uh, so as you look at this, this, this to me is uh, very helpful in helping me understand why manual skills exceed the importance of career preparation. Where does career preparation go on our schools, on the list of priorities? What do you think? Anybody think the top? Yeah, okay. Yeah, this is, this is what, it's an amazing it's amazing, strategic. It's almost as if someone planned to sabotage the world and the Seventh-day Adventist Church. Am, am I too much into uh, conspiracy theory? You don't think so, do you? do you? Is there someone, did we learn today in church that there's someone out after us? And, and would you think he would sink so low as to attack our children? To deceive our young people? to in fact actually build a whole system around it where the whole church and the whole world says this is the way it's done. Can you imagine that? And that's bottom line folks, we are finding ourselves in that exact situation. So, to be educated, we put this together and we think schools Help us to take us to the goal. Now, let me just ask you a question. Am I a supporter of Adventist education? Okay. Um, but there's some challenges. I think what we need to do now is uh, close up our first session, and then uh, I'll start up in a few moments. Five minutes? Okay. So we'll start up in five minutes. Let's have a word of prayer. Lord in heaven, we thank you for your blessings. We pray that as we have spent some time together, that your name will be glorified through all of this, Father. We want to strip away the deceptions. We want to see your truth. And we pray that you would always be our teacher. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's Word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.